this year, in the last week or so. It's just lovely that we can all meet today. Hope you had a great Christmas, that you had uh, good celebrations over the new year as well. So today you probably are aware that the service is going to be um, a little different in that there won't be a sermon and the time that would be used for a sermon. We're going to hear from one another about how we've heard, how we've witnessed the love of God during 2023. So I'm really excited to hear about that. Um, I have to say, I've got to be honest, up till Friday, I had one and a maybe person was going to come and, and stand up here and speak. But thank you to those that uh, rose to the challenge. And we've now got about half a dozen, so that'll be, that'll be wonderful. We've also got a special testimony towards the end of the service as well, which will lead us into um, a time of prayer. Um, I've called the service When God Fills the Silence. So it's, there's going to be a lot about um, answer to prayer. We will be praying for one another and with one another. And uh, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit will really pour into us today, that we will hear God filling any silences in our lives. So, shall we pray? <coughs> Excuse me. Faithful God who was, who is and who is to come, we shut away any distractions for the next little while while we bring ourselves into your presence. Lord, we ask that you will bless this time with us, that we will hear your voice. We want to offer our thoughts and our words to you in worship and in prayer. And we gather this morning to look back over the last year to see how we have witnessed your blessings to ourselves, in ourselves and one another. So with thanks in our hearts we come. Amen. And when we offer God our confession, we join in the work of reconciliation, which begins with reconciling with God. So, Father, we know what you desire of us, that, you do just, that we do justice, that we love kindness and walk humbly with you. So thinking of those words, those phrases, justice, kindness and humbleness, let us make our confession in silence to God over the next minute or so. Let's pray. The mercy of God is from everlasting to everlasting. In Jesus Christ, thank you, we are forgiven. Alleluia. Amen. So if you're able, we're going to stand and sing a couple of worship songs. We'll have a time of open prayer and we shall sing again. So let's stand and sing our first song, <clears throat> Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord.
words of that song. Shall we just, if you want to stay standing, that's fine. If you want to sit down, that's okay. But let's take some time now to offer our thanks and praise to God for the last week or so, maybe over Christmas and New Year, things that we can be thankful for. Let's pray. Father, you are the rock, and no matter what life throws at us, you can be reliable. Stand and sing if we can. Um, holy, holy God Almighty.
Thank you. Would you like to take a seat? We're really blessed to have this worship group, aren't we? Have the worship band. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. So we're going to begin our time of um, hearing people's testimonies and um, we just know that we're going to be blessed by whoever comes up here. We know that they have been blessed and we in turn, when we hear um, what um, God has been doing in their lives over 2023, um, we're going to be blessed too. So Martin, I'll call you up first and then Brian's going to follow you. Okay, this is not a, a personal testimony, but it's a way that God has touched my heart uh, over recent uh, weeks and months. Uh, I guess many of you know that I'm not a local Milford resident. I live about eight miles west uh, in a village called Dockenfield, which is close to the village of Frensham. And in Frensham there's a beautiful um, parish church, St Mary the Virgin, built in 1239. In fact, that's the second church, uh, the earlier one that was built a bit closer to the river obviously suffered from flooding problems, so they moved it slightly uphill, and it's been there since 1239. So it's a lovely church. And there's a female vicar there, um, Reverend Jane Walker, and the church issue a parish magazine, which where being sort of relatively local residents, we uh, get that parish magazine. And um, she often writes in there, and sometimes it's all about parish business, but um, I was particularly taken by this article that she wrote. Uh, they held a, a forum in the um, hall at um, St Mary's Church uh, on the 7th of December, and I'll just read what she says in her um, note. Uh, they had a Zoom link with Israel, um, and they had two wonderful people speaking to them, telling them about their life experiences. Uh, the first person was a person, oh sorry Lynn, I might be fiddling with your tablet under here, which probably altered your settings. <laughs> so the first person on the Zoom link was uh, a lady called Tova. Tova is an Israeli living in Tel Aviv and she's a Jew and a psychologist. And the second was George, who is a Palestinian living in Bethlehem and a Christian. And both had experienced great loss due to the historical violence between the Israelis and Hamas. <clears throat> Tova's brother and cousin had been killed over 30 years ago, and George's 12-year-old daughter had been killed 15 years ago, each by the opposite faction. Tova's and George's lives were changed instantly, and after a while, living with their grief, they came to join what was known as the Bereaved Families Forum, which for, is for both Israelis and Palestinians, and it's the only group in existence which supports both Israelis and Palestinians. And Tova and George have known each other for many years, and there's great support and affection between them. There's no hate, no animosity, no accusing of each other for the pain that's been caused. There's actually no division at all. They've managed to grow together through the journey of grief and forgive those who killed their loved ones. And also come out on the other side with an emotional and psychological stability and maturity of a joint um, vision. And both Tova and George are united in their passion for peace and for reconciliation of Israelis and Palestinians. And for all the violence to cease so that no more people have to go through uh, the grief and pain that they've experienced. 
And what was remarkable and wonderful was their utter togetherness in thought, words, and action. What disappoints them is that the Bereaved Families Forum um, are only 700 in number. Now, that sounds like a big number of people, but given that there are many thousands of bereaved people in the Holy Land, uh, you wonder why more don't come forward. And sadly, both Tova and George told uh, on the Zoom that they've been ostracized and sometimes physically attacked for liaising with the enemy. Tova said she'd been called a traitor many times, and grief is hard for anyone and everyone responds differently to it, depending on the, the cause, but it's always a place of change and often a place where the bigger picture presents itself to us and we can either progress to a wiser stance or regress into bitterness. And then Reverend Jane Walker goes on to talk about um, the time when her own brother, Bob, was killed by the IRA in the Royal Marines bomb that uh, exploded in Deal in 1989 and when she saw him in the hospital she knew that she had to say a prayer for forgiveness um, for the people who'd done this she said at that time she prayed some of the family walked out of the room in disgust they couldn't believe that she could do such a thing and even the chaplain was astounded and she says, to be honest, I think I even surprised myself, but I knew it was the right thing to do, the right way to move forward. It certainly wasn't easy, and it's taken much prayer and psychological work to maintain that line of thinking. Um, but inspired by others who walked the same path, she prayed continually for peace in Northern Ireland. And she says she cried with relief that hopefully no more people would have to lived through the pain that they, she had experienced. And uh, obviously she was delighted when eventually peace was declared in Northern Ireland. I know it's fragile at the moment, but um, at least there's a, a degree of peace. And she says, goes on to say that um, it was a wonderful, this meeting coming from the Holy Land, um, it was a light shining in the darkness. Tova and George and the Breed Families Forum have shown that reconciliation can occur. Both sides can live together. And what's more, love can grow if we all work at it. And she says, just to finish, um, we've just celebrated Jesus' birth. Let this January be a time of new birth and growing for us all. Let us learn to be more reconciling people by the example of those who courageously live and work for peace. So let's just say a prayer now just over that. Lord, we come before you asking for forgiveness of our sins. We praise you for sending Jesus as an atoning sacrifice for our sins so that we may experience forgiveness and reconciliation through Christ. Your word says that if we confess our sins to you, you are faithful and just and will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And just like David, our sins have been stained in scarlet, but you, you have washed our sins away and made us whiter than snow. 
Thank you for these examples of reconciliation and forgiveness that we've heard about. Help us to always seek the path of forgiveness, love and reconciliation within our own lives. And so, Lord, create in us clean hearts and renew a right spirit within us that seeks to serve and honour you always. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Brian, do you want to come up? I'm going to write something down. Until I woke up this morning and uh, opened my phone where I uh, do my devotions, um, uh, the verse of the, for the day from the U Bible today was as follows. Let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more so as you see the day appearing. I thought, well, I wasn't going to say anything because Lynn's asked me to read something at the end of the service, but why not tell your story and just try and encourage people? And the first thing I just want to say about that really is that... Uh, um, you know, we are one body together and I just appreciate that God has given us each other. You know, it's been a great blessing this year as the love has increased, the unity has increased and there is a genuine care for each other. And I think that's growth in the church in quality. And we just pray for more growth in quantity as well. But if we do the right things, if we spur one another on to love and to good deeds, that will follow. And it's even more thrilling because I send the newsletter out. I prepare the newsletter, actually, then start preparing it the next day. So tomorrow I'll start preparing next week's newsletter. But I get it out by Friday if I can. And I did. Um, after I got it out, of course, I've got stuff to put in for next week. Because I've had this morning another answer to prayer. And in the last two days, I've had two other answers to prayer. So... God is on the move and God does answer prayer. Um, Denise Cleaver has an appointment for her knee operation at the beginning of October. Sorry, not October, February rather, because it was cancelled in October. So she's had to wait three or four months and she now has an uh, appointment for, I think it's February the 2nd, I think. It's right at the beginning of February. Anyway, do pray for her pre-op assessment, which is this Friday that that goes all smoothly, there's no hiccups, high blood pressure or whatever they're looking for um, to prevent that going ahead. And then two others that have been on the newsletter for some time, because I think we persevere in prayer together, um, is that Anthea wasn't feeling great and was lacking any energy, and the same uh, for Diane Lacey as well. Anthea says to me on email yesterday, Take me off the list. I feel so much better now. <laughs> I walk in and say, hello, welcome, nice to see you, new year to Tom and Diane. And I say, hi, Diane, how's it going? And she says, I feel so much better. <laughs> and I'm working three days a week. You know, we may not get the instant miracle that we would love every time as Jesus walked around healing people, but the kingdom of God does expand. 
and God does answer prayer. Let's persevere in prayer and see more answers like this. So there's going to be two less people on the prayer list <laughs> next week, which is even better. And just my 2023 story. We're not meant to walk this Christian walk alone. We're all members of one body and each of us has an important part to play. As I expect you know, I had a major nervous breakdown, mental breakdown, burnout, whatever you want to call it, 30 years ago. That was a tough time. Tough time to get through. And it was a real struggle. And the thing with the beast of mental health is that if you have an episode, or quite a bad one, it tends not to recover quickly and it tends to sometimes recur. However, what helped my recovery 30 years ago is that God gave me a wonderful, loving, caring, faithful and patient wife and also a good close friend in the church who was unemployed at the time, used to just come round the house and say, Hey, Dern, what would you like to do today? Shall we go for a walk? Go start going for a walk. I said, I don't think I'm going any further. Oh, that's all right, we'll go back and have a cup of tea. Do you want to go for a sauna? Yeah, why not have a sauna? Yeah, just... He was there with skin on beside and used to take me out. Get me doing small steps. In the past year, I've had another brief two months or so relapse. Some of you may or may not have noticed, but who doesn't notice the sort of other problem with mental health? It's invisible often. <laughs> yeah? But, but those sort of things happen, and I had a little bit of a relapse. And the way it affects me is I get extremely anxious, which leads to various physical pains especially bad headaches. That in turn makes me feel depressed, sometimes tearful, and unable to enjoy much. And there's also the temptation to avoid doing things. I won't give you the whole story because I'd be here all day, even the two months, because of the things that happened and little instances and everything. But what has hated my recovery? My loving and patient wife again. It's an absolute rock to me. Continuing daily devotions. I don't find it easy sometimes when what you read in the word of God doesn't match what you're experiencing in life. I find that difficult. But the word of God is true. So I continue. I don't get the immediate answer to all my prayers. But God does answer prayer. And God wants me to continue to talk to him and know him and to be my father. Simon also at the time, part of the search team at the moment, bit of work to do, just phones me up and says, do you really want me to do that? Would that help? Yeah, great, Simon. 
We're blessed with Simon, aren't we? You know, but just, it doesn't have to be Simon, it could have been somebody else, you know, just take something off somebody. Just help them, just be alongside. And God's presence with me. That's a faith statement, that's not always an experience statement. There's a verse in Hebrews that says, says something like that God is a rewarder of those who seek him and that we must believe that he exists. And in a commentary on that, it says, we believe he exists and is with us even when it seems as though he isn't. And that's my experience. Even when it seems as though I'm, I'm on my own, God is with me. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. And the final thing I have to do when I have these little relapses, I have to not avoid doing things. But if you take on too much, it'll be worse. I, admit, admit, I know that. But you take a small step, you keep pushing through because God gives me strength to do that. And we had a holiday in Devon where virtually every day I didn't feel like driving anywhere. <laughs> but I drove and we went and visited places and we broke through. So that's my story. But I just want to get back to that verse, particularly the thought about considering love for one another and spurring one another on towards love and good deeds and encouraging one another. If you've been here, well, some of you have been longer here, longer, a lot, lot, lot longer than I have. Um, I've been here nearly nine years now. Um, but about two years after I arrived, I think it was, um, about seven years ago, we did a course together as a church called Paraclesis. And I was thinking, well, how do we encourage one another? How do you encourage one another? Well, I'm sure you can all think of things to do it. But one of the things the Paraclesis course gave us, gave us these box of kindness cards. So if you're a bit sort of clueless, well, even if you aren't clueless, how about a challenge? Come and ask for a card. And just do what it says on it. The first one says, order or take some flowers to be sent to someone who you know to be struggling. Yeah, very practical little things. Yeah. So if you want to encourage someone this week with an act of kindness, here's your opportunity. They're no good sitting in my box at home. They're a lot better if you take one and do it. It's just an encouragement. Don't have to. Not compulsory, but if you want one, feel free to take one. And thank you, Brian. Thank you for your honesty and your story and sharing that with us because it's uh, it's not always easy easy to do so. Um, sort of. Based on that, I've got a very good Christian friend who happens to be a psychotherapist, and um, I'm not going to share a story with you today. 
I could, and like you, I could spend all day, but I'm not going to share. However, when I have shared things with her, she said, Lynn, you are allowed to feel that way. You are allowed to, because you say, oh, there's always somebody worse off than me. So we all say that, don't we? There's always somebody worse off with me. And it's almost like not dismissing it. I don't know, we're just trying to bury it, I don't know. But I know from experience that because I have thought that, I haven't taken it to God. I haven't prayed about it because I think, oh, somebody else is far worse off than that. I'll pray for that person. I'll pray for that situation when we should be praying or could be praying for ourselves. I hope that makes sense. Right. What are we going to do? We're going to... We're going to sing again, I think. Yeah, we are. God, you're so good. Isn't that the truth? Shall we stand and sing? Amazing love that welcomes me.
here because um, I'm going to talk about Mechanics for Africa and just some of the ways that God has been working through Mechanics for Africa this past year because we've really got a lot of tremendous stories um, there. Now we're going to do a double up with David. He's already on it with the slides. Thank you because I've got a few photos to um, illustrate some things. Um, Brian spoke about the family and I think Mechanics for Africa has always been very much part of the family of, of MBC having had its origins from here. Um, and for anyone that doesn't know, we are a technical college in, in Dola, in Zambia, and we train um, particularly poor young people um, in mechanics, and also another course that I'll tell you about, um, to give them a step up in life, to give them the opportunity to um, earn a living um, when they leave us and get themselves and their families out of poverty. So way back at the beginning of 2023, we, um, the charity was in quite a grave position in terms of the finances. And we um, uh, were very blessed ultimately by the Lord's provision, both from within this church as a corporate body and with individuals, but also alongside other supporters, and we secured funds for 2023. 
um, which enabled us to do an awful lot of work. So the first slide shows a picture that I would have shared last year when after my visit in April. And there's a bit of scrubland at the back of this picture. Um, and with the support from um, a number of chariti charitable trusts, particularly the Bite Trust, who have supported us before with, with building works, we now have the, this now looks like this. And the next, if David just wants to scroll slowly through the next three slides as well, this shows the new classroom block that we have been able to build um, with very generous grants from the Bite Trust, the Beatrice Lang Foundation and the Suter Trust. Um, and um, to build this so that we can introduce a new course at um, the college, which I'll share more of shortly. But it's really exciting that you can go from that, that green scrubland to seeing a new classroom block, which effectively pretty much doubles the academic teaching capacity in terms of the, the classroom space, the academic teaching space. Um, there. So we've got a new course um, teaching office and IT skills uh, alongside mechanics and our first 10 students started in this past week. So that's really exciting. They're a small cohort at the moment so we can accommodate them in the existing facilities because clearly we're still still finishing, got a bit of finishing off to do. But we're really excited at, the, at, at the, how the work has been able to progress. So if you want to go through the next few. Um, we're also really blessed. God has really blessed us with our staff. We have an amazing team out there. Um, and with the introduction of the new course, Gwineri, our chief exec, has had to um, recruit new staff to teach these new skills. And um, God, once again, has provided in terms of the skills and expertise that we need for that. And Gwineri has got some great people on board. Um, we've also... Um, have the return of a, a previous member of staff just this last week. Chiso has returned as our discipleship coordinator. Um, um, Richard Rowe and myself, as, as chair and, and trustee of um, Mechanics of Africa, were able to interview him online. And he is a, a man with a real passion for living out his faith and sharing that with students. And he himself came from a very poor background, much like our students, and has a real passion for, for sharing the work of God in, in people's lives. So um, if we just go back one, um, David, I put Rhoda up as I spoke of, of staff because we've been really blessed with Rhoda over the years. She's been one of the, I think probably one of the original members of staff right at the beginning, started as our cook, um, more recently as our cleaner, and this Christmas we saw her retire. So with great fondness, we say farewell to Rhoda, but I thought she warranted a picture up there as, uh, as, as thanks to God for the provision through our wonderful staff. And our next slide, um, again, you may remember seeing similar slides um, after my visit. This is me visiting one of our students, Solomon. And you may remember me telling you about his two-hour walk to campus each day, each way, there and back. Um, and the next slide shows a solution to this um, because we were very generously um, uh, provided with a couple of donations to buy some bicycles for those students that live a particularly long way away. Um, and so um, we have 25 bicycles, all of which are used by our students. Um, and um, it's really exciting because there have been numerous occasions, almost on an annual basis, where some students have not been able to take up their position in the college or they've had to drop out after the first week because the commute is just too big. So um, it's, this has been some fantastic provision for our students and so massively appreciated by them. Um, 
And it also, just to have a quick mention of another provision and, and blessing from God, is that we are now, we, you know that we've been providing lunch for many years. We now provide a very small, basic breakfast for people. So um, after their, their sort of 40-minute cycle ride in, they can come and, and have a quick bite to eat to get them through the morning. Um, and the next slide, please, David. Um, I just have to give a little, little look ahead because um, God's provision is not stopping. Um, so the next slide shows on Friday this was taken. So this is just some of our, our um, returning and new students. So we've got four, all 47 students, second-year students, have returned, which is great. Um, we've got 49 new students um, signed up for the mechanics course and, and started, and as I mentioned, the 10 first-year students. We've got over 100 students. And I'd just like to finish with a particular individual's um, story of, of Richard, who is featured here. Um, you may know that some of the students can't afford just the very small contribution that they need to make to their course um, fees and so we give the opportunity for them to work in lieu of their fees so he has already started work um, with us in our garden um, which we have to um, grow a lot of the food that the students will eat um, and the next slide as well shows with some of the other students in working there sowing the seeds in our vegetable plot but Richard is 23 years old he is the oldest of four siblings and lives with, with his grandfather in Andola he has waited two years for the opportunity to further his study after high school. And this is normal for most of our students. Um, Richard applied to MFA with, along with five of his friends and three of them got accepted. So he's really happy to be starting college um, with some of his friends. And he tells us that the reason he couldn't further his studies previously was because he didn't have the funds to attend the college. Now, Richard heard about Mechanics for Africa from his grandfather, who had attended an information session at a local church. And his brother, Emmanuel, applied and started college last year, 2023. Um, and his brother also works as a student guard on campus during the weekends, and this helps him to pay for his school fees. So all students to MFA receive an 85% scholarship. Um, however, we feel it's important that they make a, a, some contribution towards their growth and development and are therefore required to cover 15% of the fees. And that's about £50 in, in uh, British pounds. Um, Richard saw this opportunity as within, within reach for him as well as his brother, and he noticed a change in his brother. Emmanuel had become more disciplined, taking up more responsibilities at home. And he also changed the type of friends that he had. And he tells us, I saw a great change in my brother, and this could only be from his new school. He said, this brought a desire for me to join Mechanics for Africa. And I took a leap of faith and sent in my application as soon as the application window was announced. And the next words are directly from him. He said, with all my joy and gratitude, I had a few worries about being able to pay the school fees. Until one day when I went to collect my acceptance letter and I was told about the hardship fund application which would give me an opportunity to work at the college during the holiday for half of my fees. I was very happy to hear this and took the form and applied. It was approved and I started my piecework on the 2nd of January, so last week. While doing this piecework, I have enjoyed the work and associating with others. I have learned many valuable things from farming while doing work in the garden to metal skills in working in the workshop with friendly staff. I have also learned to always put God first. I learned this as every morning before we start working. We begin by reading scripture and praying with Mr Desmond, our supervisor. 
I am excited to be a first year student at MFA. I know that the information and skill that the institution will help me, will give me, will help me to achieve my dreams and goals, as well as help others. I consider being here as my destiny, and I'm so grateful for this opportunity to be part of Mechanics for Africa. And then this last slide is with Mr. Desmond on the right here. He is our, our um, gardener, and he does incredible work, working alongside the students and supervising their piecework. And in Mechanics for Africa, there is never anyone who is only a gardener or only a cleaner. They are so important to, uh, um, Desmond says it better than me, he says it makes me happy to supervise the students during piecework, as I know I am contributing to changing lives. I try to encourage the students by reminding them what they are doing is taking responsibility for their future by contributing towards their fees. So God has greatly blessed us with our students, with our staff, and all that provision through the year. So thank you for your support and your continued prayers. Yeah, it's just lovely, isn't it, to hear how God is working uh, through and with people. That's uh, pretty amazing. Uh, I can't remember who I said was coming next. Bear with Mary. Mary. You okay? Of course I can, yep. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Yes, you've heard about the floods, I'm sure. And uh, Chrissy and I had a few scary moments this week, um, and I'll tell you about them. We were driving down to Dorset to visit my sister-in-law. She lives in Charmouth, which is near Lyme Regis in Dorset. And we got caught in one of the heavy rainstorms. Uh, we happened to be in my car, and I started off driving. And then as the weather got worse, Chrissy said, you haven't taken my hint. She said, I think I ought to be driving. <laughs> so, okay, we, we swapped over. But the, not only was the rain pelting down, but there were strong side winds buffeting the car and making you feel a little bit insecure, to say the least. And driving was difficult. So that was on Tuesday, uh, and we arrived safely, and glad to be there. Um, on the Wednesday, the weather was much calmer and mostly dry, and we had a lovely day, catching up with Jill, having a good laugh with her, and uh, meeting up for a, for a lunch in, in the Bridport. Um, and we were saying to ourselves, oh well, the homeward journey can't ever be as bad as the other one. Uh, well, <laughs> we were driving home again then on the Thursday, and uh, as you can guess, back came the rain with a vengeance, flooding the motorways, and as we journeyed on, it became darker, and this time Chris, Chrissy was driving. And I must say, she's a good driver, uh, even driving my car. <laughs> Um, at last we were home, 
fire lit and kettle boiling. And uh, by the way, on the way, we, we, were, we put a CD, CD on in the car and, uh, and sang along some worship songs and prayed that we would be uh, able to complete our journey in safety. And of course, when we got home, again, we were, we were so thankful um, to be home. So, um, so what? Well, I, I noticed when we came in that it's thanks for last year and hope for the future. I think that's a, perhaps a good motto to, to, take, to, to, to bear in mind. And I thought of Psalm 23 and the verse that talks about walking through the valley. I think it's verse 4. And I try to remember that when times are tough, not only does God promise to always be with us through thick and thin, but that we're not staying in the valley so much as moving through it. And I love that word through because nothing lasts forever, does it? Except God's love, I guess. <laughs> um, but we're going through it and that implies that there is, as they say, light at the end of the tunnel and that there is hope for the future. Um, and I think hope is such a lovely word. So thank you for listening and bless you. Thank you. <laughs> Cliff would like to say something. He's going to stay put and he's got a mic, so we're going to, going to listen from our seats to Cliff. I thought the words of that song, that God is so good, he's so good to me, really sums up uh, last year for me. I think most of you knew that uh, three months back I fell down the stairs and uh, ended up in hospital. With a broken, with a fractured scapula, and uh, two or three weeks back, I went back to the hospital, and I was totally clear. So I do thank the Lord for the, the fact that He was with me during that time. Also, I want to thank you all for the prayers that uh, were very helpful to me at the time, and uh, also that Brian had taken me off the list a couple of weeks back. So. <laughs> Um, I want to thank you for all, all for that. Now, as far as my Parkinson's is concerned, um, that is a continued challenge to me. But um, I, I work on the basis that God is good and that I have to rely on Him day by day. And uh, at the moment, um, it's a fancy Parkinson's. You find that some some points are, I get stuck. But I'm pleased to take my dog out of the stairs. So I just thank the Lord for the fact that um, I can do all the things that I can do before. But uh, so by my side, we are um, very much at the wall. So thank you very much. Thank you, Claire. Thank you. <laughs> okay, before we have our guest, um, uh, someone would you like to come up and speak? Thank you.
It's been quite a jamboree bag, I think, this morning, hearing from everybody, all the different stories. So here's another one. Um, so this time last year, I was prepping Mum's Thanksgiving service, and it was so good to see many, so many attend to celebrate her life. And it was really helpful for me and my sister, so thank you everybody for that. Um, bereavement has been a funny old journey, a process I'm told that needs to occur to get closure, etc. But of course, knowing Mum's in our Lord's presence truly is a reason to celebrate. She has, after all, gone home. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I can do this. Take a break. That's what we're doing. We'll take a little break. Do you want to come back in a minute? I feel so silly. Don't! Oh, cracky! <laughs> no, don't be silly. You're not being silly. Right, let me just go again. I've often reminded myself, and I'm particularly missing her, of the time she said, life goes on. Anyway, a few months after her death, we sold the house. Do you want someone to read it for you? Yeah, you. Stay you, there, you though. Stay there, will you? Yeah, yeah. Will you do it, then? Where are we going on? Uh, yeah. The house I'd been born in, the home me and my sisters had been brought up in, the home that held literally thousands of memories, laughter, tears, joys and sadness, including quite a few rows. Us girls are all a bit feisty, you know. <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm embarrassed to admit I found myself missing the home as much as my mum popping in to get a cuppa, a cuddle, a moan, to kill a bit of time, to get some advice, and over the last few months of her life, just to be in the house with her. Being there grounded me at times when I felt groundless. You okay for me to carry on, do you yeah, want to? Yeah, yeah, So, no mum, no home to connect me to her or dad. Life goes on. Anyway, the house was bought by a lovely young couple, for some reason, I fretted that they'd do the house up, giving it a much-needed update, and then sell it on. Of course, it's nothing to do with me, but still, it felt unfair to the memory of a happy home. Skip to Christmas, when my sister took a card round to them. They told her she was pregnant with their first child and were so glad they'd found their forever home. Life goes on. On hearing this, my melancholy lifted, and I was comforted by the words of Psalm 73, verse 26. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Bricks and mortar, relationships, materialism, all things we hold dear, perhaps. But when it comes down to it, I'm so very grateful for Jesus with me now and always. Giving comfort, giving guidance, loving me and keeping me grounded. Praise God. And we love you too. <laughs> well done. Lynn, can I be really cheeky and just say something very quickly from here? Oh, yes, sorry. I'm Is that all right? Where's this? I, know you're, I know you've got your special one and I know you're conscious yeah, of go, the time. Yeah, that's fine. I'll stand up so you can kind of see me. 
I just wanted to say how much I love being in this church. It's like my surrogate church when I'm not at my own church in Kingston. Oh. And I've just really enjoyed being part of you all. And thank you again for the support you've given Mum and I over the time, particularly last year when it's been so tough. But, you know, just generally, it's just been really lovely to be here. And I just wanted to thank you. And we thank you. We thank you. You're a blessing to us, Chrissy. We have a special guest with us this, after, this morning, rather, it's nearly the afternoon. Um, <laughs> just to give the heads up, we might just over, overrun just a little bit, but please, uh, it's, yeah, please stay if you can. Uh, we've got a special guest with us, and um, he's been through a silence, through, uh, 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 the service was called filling, uh, God Filling the Silence. Let's listen to this next testimony. Shalom. Good morning. I've been invited to share my story with you today. Let me introduce myself. My name is Zechariah. My hometown is in Judea, in Israel. By the way, I am one of the Jewish priests serving in God's temple. Do you know Aaron, the first high priest during the time of Moses? I'm one of his descendants. We take on his honourable role and responsibility of the priesthood that was only assigned to us by God. My wife Elizabeth also has the same priestly root. She's also a descendant of Aaron. Okay, about my life story, my encounter with God. Throughout my life, I have had many dreams and desires. I trust you have dreams and desires. Among my dreams and desires, I had three important ones. I had been praying and praying, waiting and waiting for these three desires for many years. You may wonder why. Essentially, none of these three desires were fulfilled. And God did not seem to respond to any of these three prayer requests. The waiting dragged on. Let me share them with you. The first one is about the special task of offering and burning of incense before God in the temple. As a priest, I've been desiring and waiting for that once-in-a-lifetime chance for me to burn incense before God in the temple before I die. You may wonder, what is so significant about this task? Let me share with you about the priest's duty system. Among us, all the priests were organised into 24 divisions along our family lines, structured after the pattern listed for us in the scriptures. Each division is rotated, so we each get to serve a week. I belong to the Abijah division, named after one of my ancestors. Now, within the Abijah division, I am one of approximately 18,000 priests. Within the temple, there are many, many tasks. Each time a priest will be selected to perform this honourable task of offering and burning the incense to God in the temple. And he is selected by the casting of lots. You see, the chance for me being selected is just one in 18,000. That's a 0.0055% chance, virtually zero. In other words, I could be a priest all my life and never be called to officiate the offering and burning of the incense to God in the temple. For all those years, I've been hoping and praying 
But each time, year after year, after the lots were cast, I left disappointed. The waiting dragged on for me. My second desire is a very personal one. I had been desiring, waiting and praying to have a baby. Both Elizabeth and I love children. We'd been married for many years and we had tried very hard, but we remained childless. When we had our house, we made sure there were rooms ready for our children. But after all those years, the rooms remained empty. Each time we carried our friend's baby, or more recently their grandchildren, our hearts filled with joy for them, and yet within us, at the same time, grief. We prayed and prayed and waited and waited. The waiting dragged on. Elizabeth and I wondered, did God hear our prayers? For us, the waiting dragged on and on. Now my third desire, which is shared among my fellow Jews, I had been waiting and hoping to see the promised Messiah. It had been 400 years since we last heard from a prophet, and as a result, things had been upside down in the nation for far too long. General Pompey conquered our holy land, and we had been occupied and oppressed by these ruthless Romans. They made us pay taxes, exorbitant taxes. Nonetheless, my fellow countrymen and I held tightly to God's promises of a deliverer, a messiah, a messiah who would set us free from our oppressors. We would have a king like David, who would sit on David's throne and re-establish the kingdom of righteousness and justice. But it had been so long, and God was still so silent towards us. I'm not sure, would my prayer, would my desire to see the Messiah happen in my lifetime? When, when would God's promise of a Messiah be fulfilled? I'd been praying and praying, waiting and waiting, but nothing happened. Except injustice and oppression. The waiting dragged on, the waiting dragged on. None of my prayers or desires came true. God had been silent. Was there something wrong with me? I'd been searching myself. Yes, there were times that I sinned against God. And when I remembered, I always confessed my sins. I'd been faithful in my ministry and walk. Or was there something wrong with my desires? Our prayers, I doubt so. But why? Why? I didn't understand. My prayers seemed to lead me nowhere. The waiting just simply dragged on. Do you have similar experiences? Your prayers and desires seem to go nowhere. You could be waiting to be chosen for a special assignment or duties. Or you might be, might be waiting for a pay rise or a promotion. Or a breakthrough in your life. Or you could have been praying for the salvation of someone dear to you. And yet nothing seemed to be happening. You continue to pray and wait. And the waiting drags on and on. Brothers and sisters, you're not alone. I would want to encourage you not to lose heart and simply trust God, even when you don't understand. Let me continue my story and share with you what happened to me when I was just pressed on with God, even as the waiting dragged on. One day, while expecting the usual, the unusual happened. The lot was cast, and guess what? 
I was chosen. Hooray! Hooray! No, 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 I should have said hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Wow. Finally, I got to perform the offering and burning of the incense to our God for the coming week. God has heard my prayer. His silence toward me has finally been broken. Wow, you can't imagine the joy I had. My desire, my dream was answered. I took this special assignment with much pride and caution. I want to give my best to our Lord God. I prepared myself well, followed all the cleansing, rites carefully, preparing my priestly attire, going through and rehearsing all the procedures again and again. Rehearsals after rehearsals and with so many previews. We have something in common. We just want to get it right and leave no room for error. Then came the time for me to perform this honourable duty. There I was at the temple. It's our most holy place in all the world. I was very excited and yet guarded in my excitement so that I did not make any mistakes. I was diligent, careful and made sure every step and regulation was followed to the dot. My task was to take the burning coals from the bronze altar in the temple court to the altar of incense and place the coals upon the incense. And when the hot coals hit the incense, a burst of smoke and smells float up to heaven. This symbolises the offering of our people's prayer to God. Imagine that I, Zechariah, presenting the prayers of our people before our Lord God. Then something unusual happened. In that moment, as I placed the coals on the incense, a very bright light suddenly appeared, and there was a voice coming out from that bright light saying, Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. When I saw and heard that, I guessed that it was an angel. I was shocked and was gripped with fear. It's not every day that you get to see an angel. And for me, I'd never seen any angel in my entire life. But wait a second. What, 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 what did he say? My prayer has been heard and we're going to have a son. Hey, hey uh, it's been many, so many years. I thought it's just late. Oh, did I hear wrongly? But the angel continued and said, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you. And many will rejoice because of his birth. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the heads of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make a people prepared, ready for the Lord. I recognise those words. They were prophesied by Isaiah and Malachi. I was so shocked and shaken, and without thinking properly, I blurted out, uh, how can I sure, be sure of this? I'm an old man. That's true. <laughs> and my wife is well along in years. I thought it was a fair question. It had been so many, many years. Don't you agree with me? But that did not go well at all. The angel gave me that kind of look that made me feel very guilty. He said to me, I am Gabriel. 
I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words which will come true at their appointed time oh no this was Gabriel Gabriel as you know he's a high powered angel he appeared to Daniel when God showed him about the future that will happen in due course before I could apologise boom immediately I lost my speech oh no talk about bad timing you see when the priest comes out of the temple after burning incense he gives a blessing to the people what now? I couldn't speak all I could do was use sign language thankfully the people gathered at the temple that day sensed something unusual had happened I couldn't say a word tongue tied I had to take, make motions with my hand I think I looked very shaken to the people people seemed to figure it out that something must have happened to me when I was inside the temple to me at that point of time I just wanted to go home and be with Elizabeth but I couldn't even talk to her all I could do was wave my hands with hand signals and scribble a few words I lost my voice, nothing was coming out not a sound God answered his silence with silence and then not long after this encounter with God through angel Gabriel Elizabeth announced that she's pregnant my wife became pregnant just as Gabriel has mentioned, what a joy it's really happening just like Gabriel said I want to tell all my friends but I was tongue-tied. During the pregnancy, I was filled with anticipation, but I couldn't get a word out, not one word, for nine long months. Being unable to talk, I had more time to think and read the scripture. And as I read, I was reminded of other married couples in our scripture who had the similar experience as ours when they longed for children, but God made them wait. Isaac's mother, Jacob's mother, Joseph's mother, Samson's mother, Samuel's mother. So when Elizabeth gave birth to our baby son, we truly rejoiced. No words can adequately express our feeling. God had answered our second long-awaited prayer request. Our neighbours and relatives came to share our joy. Our Lord God had shown great mercy to us. And on the eighth day, we circumcised our baby according to our scripture. Circumcision, in our Jewish custom, reaffirms the covenant God had with our Jewish people. Then came the time to name my baby. Traditionally, in our Jewish practice, my baby is named after me or his grandfather. Zechariah is a good name. It means God remembers. Maybe my son can be called Zechariah Jr. My relatives and neighbours were offering names that are in our family lines. And then in the midst of all this excitement, Elizabeth spoke up and said, No, he's to be called John. What Elizabeth said was a huge surprise to all my neighbours and relatives. Last page, by the way. There was no one in our clan with this name, John. The naming was to them out of the ordinary. It was not something my friends could understand. They turned and signalled to me, wanting to know what my baby boy's name could be. As I could not talk, I asked for a writing tablet, and to the surprise of all, except Elizabeth, I wrote, 
His name is John, just as the angel Gabriel had declared. And this time I learnt my lesson. Just obey what God has instructed through the angel Gabriel. (laughs) By the way, now I understand and trust that the name John was more appropriate. John means Yahweh is gracious. Yes, God is gracious. Guess what happened when I obeyed God's word? Immediately my mouth was opened and my tongue set free and I began to speak and praise God. Hallelujah! Then being filled with the Holy Spirit, I prophesied under the power of the Holy Spirit that God had come to us, his people, to redeem us. Our hope of God's salvation was here. We would be rescued from the hands of our enemies and we would serve God without fear but in holiness and righteousness. And concerning my son John, he would be the prophet of the Most High. He would be the forerunner of the Messiah. He would prepare the way for our Lord. I know the prophecy that I I had just made was definitely not from me, but God himself. I was just his instrument to announce the coming of the Messiah, and my son would be the Messiah's advance party. Hey, wait a minute. Wasn't that God's answer to my third prayer request? I've been waiting for a long time, hoping to see the promised Messiah. Now I knew The coming of the Messiah was very near. Whether I will see him or not with my own eyes in my remaining time here on earth is no longer important. The important thing is that I know and have been assured that God remembers, God kept his promise and the Messiah is coming soon. My friends, I would consider you as being more privileged. In your time, our Messiah, our Lord Jesus has already come. He fulfilled God's purpose by dying for you and me on that cross. He was resurrected and has ascended into heaven. Yes, today you know that our Lord Jesus Christ is coming back. Jesus will keep his promise. Yes, he is coming back. No longer as a baby, no longer as a saviour. He's coming back to judge the world and bring all of us back to him. Maranatha, Jesus is coming back again. You might have been praying about an issue for a long time. Like me, I've been praying for the three issues for a long time. I must admit at times, I really doubted God heard my prayer or my cries. God seemed to remain silent to our prayers and conditions. The waiting dragged on. But remember what our Lord Jesus has assured us. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. Our Lord Jesus knows our challenges. Yet we can take comfort that he has overcome the world. He will grant us peace that surpasses our understanding and he will be with us as we go through these life challenges. Thank you, Zachariah. We are going to spend 30 seconds in prayer. (laughs) How are we going to do that? We're just going to ask the Holy Spirit now to uh, plant the names of people 
into our hearts, onto our hearts. And we're just going to call out a name. We don't need to say what it is, why, just 30 seconds, call out people's names that are on your heart, please. The Holy Spirit, prompt us. Jill, Vanessa, Katie, Don, Dave, So our prayer this morning is that God not only fills the silences today, right now, but um, other times when we're praying, in our quiet times, that we can hear him. Amen. So we're going to stand and sing our final song, which is, I stand amazed, and he is an amazing God. I stand amazed in the presence.
Jane Guilford heard you today. That was, <laughs> wow. <laughs> the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace today and forever. Amen. Amen. Thank you to everybody who took part today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>